0: Come. Welcome to the Lowdown. Today's show, Oilers go 2-1-0 and oh on the road trip, currently deploying a Don't Look Ethel penalty kill. The second period needs to be abolished, and Evan Bouchard joins the Glimmer Twins as a pure impact superstar on the Edmonton Oilers. Welcome to the show. We're available at sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada, on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. You can text or call us 1-833-401-1440. Our guest today, Rachel Dory from Staff & Graph Podcast, Daniel Nugent-Bowman at The Athletic, and of course we have Mama Mia. We do have the low down driven by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for financing as low as 0%, cash discounts and more on the remaining 2023 season. Sierra tons plus cash discounts on remaining GMC and Buick SUVs, wolfgmcbuick.com. Of course, we have the usual suspects. You can join us on Twitter, at Low Tide, at Donovan Paulson, at Declan Kruger. And with that, I say hello to the, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's a shakedown every day or it's just you two young guys getting out there and making your way in life. We say hello to Declan Kruger. How are you?
1: Doing excellent, sir. To your point, I think we're just blazing our own trail. You're oh. you're here beside us, and we appreciate that. But uh, I
0: want to replay the conversation. Okay. I'm in there. I'm in the green room, as we call it, even though it's red. And I say, so we've got, uh, because you you talk shorthand in radio. So it's we have Dory and Nugent Bowman. And Declan says, yes. And, of course, we have uh, Mamma Mia, which we moved till Tuesday. I'm like, I didn't. Did Donovan, did he tell you that or did he just decide that as he was saying it to me?
2: No, he just decided that. That was just totally off the cuff. Wow. The, the man, yep. he's a menace.
0: So it doesn't even, it's like, okay, I could argue with him or I could just imply that we already discussed it.
2: Yeah, you could just suck it mm. up and you could, you know, just be, be sad that you have to deal with it. My. Deal with him.
0: I mean, we didn't have the conversation that said, Monday is MMA, but we're going to move it. And then you said, but you get your song. Like- I
1: did. I had to dangle Mama Mia in front of you. And then wow. you cooled off a little bit. You had your chocolate chip cookie and things were back to normal. Listen, it was a huge week in the uh, in the MMA world this past weekend. UFC 300's main event announced. UFC 298 this past weekend. It was a big weekend. But like I said, you get a break. You get a break that segment. We get to play your song. The world is all well and good.
0: I had and- a... Uh- Oatmeal raisin cookie. Okay, it was very and
1: it calmed good. you right down. To my point, <laughs> so let's not uh, let's not. Would
0: you like some milk oats? I mean, I am being handled, is what I'm saying to you. All right, Oilers PK can go to hell. I think we're all there. How do you fix? Because the smart people tell me, and they always say this. So there's no backing up. They always say, well, personnel doesn't matter. It's all a matter of what what you're doing on the ice, how you are strategically killing penalties. So if that is true, then personnel doesn't matter. And but they're terrible. They've given up like ten goals in the last six games, scored one, and if they if they if you take all of the penalty killing goals off, the orders absolutely are hammering teams at five on five and on the power play, but the penalty kill really is a drag. Do you have any solutions, Donovan? Have you? I know you've been using that bulbous brain of yours and trying to come up with some solutions. Do you have anything there?
2: I'm going to propose a shake-up. Okay. Maybe uh, it might be a little bit too uh, too early to, to make the move and, and shake things what, up a little bit. Lacrosse sticks,
0: something like that? Yeah,
2: maybe, maybe lacrosse sticks could work. I don't know, golf clubs. But... Um, Maybe maybe they could uh, maybe they could swap the pairings a little bit. Maybe that's uh, you, you swap around a Matthias Ackholm with Darnell Nurse, and you have Vinny and, and Nurse play together. Whether that's you uh, you swap around um, maybe a Nuge onto a different onto a different group. I, I don't know. I would just I would maybe shake things up because I the penalty kill might have gotten a little bit stale here. They've they've not been good since the break. So so shake it up. Why not?
0: Is, is that a is that a Taylor Swift song or is it Shake It Off? It's Shake It Off. Okay. Shake It Off. Yeah. So here's here's why. What 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 um, Knobloch did was he said I'm not going to have McDavid kill many penalties. Leon's going to reduce penalty killing. I'm going to have Kane not kill penalties so that after the penalty is over, a strong line can go out there and dominate. But they can't get to the penalty kill is over because it ends with a goal has to be something done. I don't have a solution for you. Donovan's solutions seem reasonable, but I've always been told that the personnel doesn't matter. And we don't know of injuries, but I will say that that Ekholm had two what I call pinch of sin moments where you're pinching and it doesn't work out, and DeHarnay has been having some issues with the puck. And, I, you know, a while ago they were writing like, okay, he's confident now with the puck, and... That's that's dangerous because what ha- what comes after confident boys, overconfidence, and I think he's there. So I don't know what they're going to do. I have no problem with DeHarnay in this situation. I think he'll be fine. I think Ekholm will be fine. The big issue is what to sign DeHarnay for because you do not pay shutdown defensemen high. Like Larson made four million, and that was a lot for a guy who brought what he does because there's not enough offense to really pay the money. It w- what if DeArne De could go to free agency and get three times four do you let him walk Declan
1: well me and Donovan were talking about this before the show and the question I always ask when free agency comes up and the issue of playing a paying a player comes up is are you a better team with that player versus without money aside and I think they probably are but I also think Vinny's replaceable, and I don't know how much better they are with Vinny playing as that sixth defenseman in that third pairing there. So I I would be hesitant to let him walk because I do think they're a better team with him, but I also don't think he's in a position where it's keep him at all costs and pay him whatever he may get
0: on the open markets. You have to pay. Your foundation pieces are the top two line, third line center, top two pairings, and your starting goalie. You can't pay anybody else. That's the Warren Fogle problem. What about you? What do you think?
2: If you're giving Vinny... I don't know let's let's just say a three by 2.5 I would say sure keep him but if he's asking for for something too much I I think he's a replaceable enough player where you can you can let him walk and you can just sign somebody else third pairing defensemen are they're quite abundant on the free agent market so I I would let him walk if if the situation arises where he's wanting too much money than than the organization's willing to pay because they've quite frankly have other guys that they need to pay
0: best shot suppression, best goal suppression, best expected goal suppression at five on five. However, he doesn't play versus the elites and he won't, uh, that's going to be a sticky wicket. I think they'll sign him and I think they'll sign him for too much and I understand it, but I don't think it's wise. We'll see how it works out. The return of the newage McDavid Hyman line was a good thing in the third period. I, I, I think that the new coaching staff is is casting about right now, and I want I want to talk about. And you're welcome to text us at 833-401-1440. I want to talk about this. So I think that McDavid Hyman are always going to are likely always going to be together, and now it's Leon who ordinarily would be with Nuge, but Nuge has moved up to the top line, and I think the new staff is like Ryan McLeod looked really good with Leon Dreisaitl, but back in the day. Gretzky was always with Curry, and it didn't matter whether Semenko or Esatikainen or Krušelniski was on the left side. They were going to be good. And then Messier and Anderson, they might have... Um, well, they might have Craig Simpson, and they might have uh, Kent Nilsson. Uh, but they you know, they, they also would check down sometimes to a kind of a two-way guy. And so Norm Lacombe played there on, 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 that, uh, on that line. So what Leon needs... I think is some an outside force, but I liked McLeod there, and and Fogel has played well there. We'll start with you this time, Donovan. If you had to choose, saying Hyman and Nuge and McDavid are off limits, who are the wingers for dry sidle on the second line on the roster
2: right now, as currently constituted on this roster? I am going to run with exactly how this this last game against Arizona ended. Give me Kane. Give me McLeod. I think Ryan McLeod on Leon Drysaddle's wing, genuinely, he shows stuff that he doesn't show as a center. I I don't know if this is the permanent solution moving Ryan McLeod to wing, but he just looks totally different to me when I watch him with Drysaddle. It's just more confidence, more sh- more shooting, which I, I think that's one of his yeah. weaknesses. Is he mm-hmm. doesn't he doesn't shoot enough, and you watch him shooting, and it's just it's a breath of fresh air because. He looks like the player you want him to be, and we all know he can be. So I would go, give me Kane, give me McLeod, Leon Drysaddle. That line works really well to me.
0: The reason he's shooting more and has the puck more is because Leon has the puck. Uh, What do you think?
1: I... I have a tough time taking McLeod out of that three C position. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a center who can drive his own line or anything, but I still like him there. I think my ideal world would be Kane and Fogle, but I'm not mad at Donovan's choice by any stretch of the imagination. I do like that combination, but I just I I feel like I feel like I want Ryan McLeod as my three C more than I want him as my second line winger.
0: Well, and they the 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 young guys like Holloway and McLeod yeah. and Fogle. There's something there, but I. I th- I think the conversation we're having now is the conversation the coaching staff is having, and I I don't know that they have an answer yet. Um, and I did, I think that might be the compliment to Drysidle, the the Anderson to his Messier. I think may be out there in the trade wire. We'll see. Stuart Skinner had some wobble. Rob Suri online, very smart guy, very smart about goaltenders. Mentioned not getting out to the edge of the blue ice on the two goals by. Uh Bugstad I I don't know I'm not a goalie expert I I follow Rob and he and a guy named Asia Oil on my website who uh, comments on on Low Tide uh are, are spent a lot of time on this and I do believe they know things so that's an interesting tweak I I think Skinner's the guy so I'm not going to say there's any worry about him but you want him to straighten that up Are you Are you feeling like it's still right winger and second line right defenseman? Or do you think that they need penalty killers more? What's the list going in? I'll start with you, Declan.
1: First would be a top six right winger. I think that's my number one get. Then I would probably want a second pairing defenseman. And third would be a true fourth line center. I think that would be my top three at this point. What about you?
2: I am going to have kind of the same list, but rearranged a little bit for me. I
1: would have the. Going second is key. This this guy. I know. You got to start asking me everything second. I would shine (laughs) way more.
2: Uh, I'm going to say give me the top six right winger. I, I think that's probably the most. Most worrisome area because we we just keep swapping out players and hoping for the best here. Whether that's a Corey Perry, a McLeod, a Fogel, they just keep swapping them in and out. And and truthfully, what
1: I don't think we have the answer on the roster right now for that set top
0: sing right top six right winger. And it, we did not exactly. give him the option, so now it's good that he, he chimed in.
2: Yeah, now now no, he's just stealing because my, you took my the option here. that yeah. I did not offer you. So, so good job. Yeah. <laughs> so then, then I would go fourth line center because I I'm watching the penalty kill right now and I'm seeing just. It, it, it's not really working, obviously. So I would go fourth line center, Gives them give them maybe, I, I know Gregor loves this guy, Nick Dowd. I
0: think he'd be a really nice fit. If, if Nick Dowd and... and Beck Mellenstein. Frankenstein, come here. <laughs> <laughs> Say that one more time. Gregor will be impossible. He, like I'm telling you now. Yeah. He's a good guy. I like Jason. He's a good fellow. Nobody on planet Earth could resist this. If he gets the trade right a month and a half out, there's no stopping him.
2: He's going to be just smug walking in. Well, I just think he'll just, he'll
0: walk, you know how you, in Westerns, the guy walks like he's got, anyway, he'll walk like that, like the chaps need to never touch sort of thing. He's
2: going to get the spurs going.
0: Just a, just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boston in town tomorrow. The NHL is making a big mistake. I saw Darcy Tucker. uh, They asked him the other day, maybe yesterday before the Ottawa game about who he thought would win the Hart trophy. And he didn't mention Connor McDavid. Never. It's a mistake, people. If you... If you don't mention Connor McDavid, he is gonna smash mouth you with a forty point month. So listen, he's always in the conversation, but with how Cooch and Mac are playing, it's I'm not sorry.
1: out of the realm of possibility to leave his name out of your mouth.
0: It, it I am telling you, you have to include him because of what he can do. He's got what, thirty games left? No, he, you're right. You're he right, can score right. fifty points. Or more. Like never discount the guy. He he feeds on this. He's like Rasputin, only much younger and alive. Did you, did you catch the Jager celebration? We're going to talk to Rachel Dory about this It's Staff and graph. People love Jager. So, and you know Jager lost like four seasons to Europe when he just left the KHL. And he, he was close enough to Gretzky that he might have passed him in goal scores. If he had done that, do you think because of the the cult of personality, because of the person that he is compared to Ovechkin, it would have been a bigger deal and people would have enjoyed it more? I have the feeling that Alexander Ovechkin's gonna break that record and it'll be a muted celebration of his breaking of the record. What do you think, Donovan?
2: If if Yager would have stayed, he yeah, it would have been it would have been muted. I, I, I think I think Yarmer Jager is just a whole different animal than Alex Ovechkin. You Yager wasn't the big one timer guy, where I, I feel like Yager was more dynamic to me, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Like, oh yes, like, he was.
1: Yeah, definitely. So,
2: yeah, yeah Ovi o- 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 should and very well could break Gretzky's record, but a hundred percent to me, if Yager would have stayed in the NHL, we would have seen a lot more muted Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I
0: I think that's true. What do you think?
1: I think that's probably true, and I do think the fanfare behind Yager breaking it would be it would be much more of a celebration. It would almost be welcomed in a way that I don't know if it will be if Ovi breaks it because Yager was so well respected and so loved.
0: And is this about politics or is this about personality? I think it's personality personally. Okay. Because I wanted to get that out there because that is a part of it and we might as well talk about it very briefly and then move on and never discuss it again. All right. I'm hoping we can do that. Uh, a few things. Uh, Bettman upheld the Morgan Riley uh, uh, suspension. No surprise there. Michael Rasmussen, four times 3.2 million. Made a lot of money today. Phil Kessel is playing. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, working out in Abbotsford. I don't know where he's going, but I'd like to see him play a little bit. And did you see Soto at batting practice for the Yankees? Oh, my. Oh, my. I'm, I'm an Expos fan, so I liked seeing him win the championship at the Nationals. But he's going to be there for 10 years, and he's going to smoke, mm-hmm. smoke the Eastern Division of the American League. Are you ready for this, boys?
2: He's going to haunt my nightmares. Yeah. He, he's he going to be otherworldly this season. Does he get 70? Well, I don't Home know. Home runs? Yeah. I mean, do,
0: do no. you how nah. short that porch is? I'm saying, yeah. I mean, he's a rocket. He just is, man. He, he gets those hips out of the way, and he cranks it. It's a beautiful swing. His shuffle, too. I watch him do the Soto shuffle
2: and I just, I think to myself, oh, this guy's a stud.
0: If they, if they, he, if he hits like 10 home runs early, they'll stop pitching to him. That's my prediction. he just walk.
2: Is he going to hit, is he, how many home runs is he going to hit?
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, is he healthy all year? Does he play 162? Let, let's
2: say he plays, give him 150 and say he's healthy all year.
0: I say it takes him a month to figure out that he really can crank it down the line. He'll hit 50.
1: I was going to say 40. I
0: was I was gonna I was say gonna
2: forty two. I mm-hmm. don't I don't remember what the line is on on any of these betting sites, but if you if you had to if you were a betting man, um, I would a hundred percent bet over forty for for Juan Soto like the short porch. No. That this guy's is, unreal.
0: This is the Lowdown with low tide on sports 1440. fourteen forty. I'm Alan Mitchell. I'm with Declan and Donovan. and I'm about to crush them. I want you guys to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine it's opening day, Blue Jays baseball, and you see. Vladdy Guerrero at the number four spot in the lineup. And just ahead of him is Soto, batting third. Mm. Now tell me how you feel. Maybe Bichette at five.
1: How do you boys <laughs> feel right now? I actually broke a smile with my eyes closed. Because <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, I did the whole drill. I closed my eyes, let myself drift off to a blank space, and a smile actually crept, crept on my face thinking about that cleanup crew there. Right. My goodness, that would be something. Yeah,
0: and, But they hired a guy to a, a AAA contract the other day. You have to be happy about that.
1: Thrilled. I I closed
2: my eyes as well and I I saw Juan Soto and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. destroying baseballs and it made me happy. And then I awoke and then I remembered (laughs) Juan Soto's not on this team and then it made me sad.
0: Well, the boys are going to rain down blows on me, but I'll try to be back with NHL rumors. Rachel Dory on the way at 1240 at 120. It's Daniel Nugent Bowman and Mama MMA at 140. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out, wolfgmcbuick.com. Rachel Dory about 15 minutes away, maybe 17. Depends on my timing. Uh, There are some, well, there's lots of rumors going around about what teams need You know, Toronto needed a defenseman when Morgan Riley was suspended, but they don't need a defenseman now that Morgan Riley's suspended. It's been crazy. By the way, they upheld his five games. San Jose Sharks have placed Jacob McDonald on waivers. It's so hard to get a bead on players when they are employed by truly awful teams. Some of his relative numbers aren't bad. I don't think he's going to be picked up, but you never know. Zachary Sanford has been placed on waivers by the Chicago Blackhawks. Um... He's, he's an interesting player. I don't see it, but you never know. Devils have activated Jonas Siegenthaler. Uh, he was part of a trade, I believe, that ended up getting Cam Talbot here in 2015. The choice that was used by the Rangers on Siegenthaler was, I believe, part of that Cam Talbot trade. I I could be wrong. Michael Rasmussen, four-year extension, he's such an interesting player. He doesn't score like you'd want him to. He's a big man. He's doing some nice things in, a, in terms of a two-way forward, mostly wing, a little bit of center. And I think it's a good deal, but it's a lot. It's sort of like the Fogle signing, where you're, you're going, okay, it's 3.2 million. I don't know if he's the guy, right? I don't know that he's that guy. And the cap is going up, but we'll see. Uh, Bruins have moved uh, Matthew Poitras to LTIR, recalled Mason Leroy. The The word I got was that Ekholm was a little banged up, and maybe, you know, I don't know, but maybe he doesn't play. Big news here, Dallas Stars have finally recalled Logan Stankhoven, and he has been absolute fire, along with Maverick Bork with the Texas Stars. If you follow the Baker School Condors, you know that uh, that Texas Stars team is flat out loaded, and we'll see if he plays well. Dallas has so many good; they they draft well and develop right, uh, or at least they have in recent years. Golden Knights have activated, activated Shea Theodore. They're getting all their guys. Oh, wait a minute! It's the trade deadline. They're getting guys back. They'll be LTIRing, and they'll be going and getting Patrick Kane. I'm not bitter. That's just the way it works. If if Vegas LTIRs somebody and goes and gets Patrick Kane. Do you think the league will do anything? The answer is no. Not one chance in hell, in my opinion. I feel the New Jersey Devils are going to do something large. Like, as in trade for a defenseman and a goalie. I watch the Bruins. They're my Bruins. I love them since Bobby Orr. And right now, I think they need to do something. I just don't know how big they can go because they have no money, no room. And this brings me to a point. Is there a way? And I'm, I know it's cheating, and I know Gary will never go for it. But do you think there's a way that each NHL team could have a window that they open once every three years for excess, uh, for overage? And I know we have a little bit of that now with all the mechanisms. But just like you could go three million over from the cap uh, from the deadline to the end of the year because you could only do it once every three years. Do you think that benefits? I mean, it probably
1: benefits, but don't you think it, it in a way it sets a bad precedent?
0: Now you sound like Gary. You sound exactly like Gary.
1: Yeah. That would anyway. be my only worry. I think it's a kind of a cool idea. I don't know if it's exactly practical. I don't know if it'll ever well, come Gary to Well, Gary won't do it. Yeah.
0: So. What do you think? I think it would make it fun.
2: Uh,
1: That's the big word. It's fun. It
2: would just be more fun. Uh, I'm all for making the game more fun and more entertaining and I mean hey another and a bonus three million dollars you could do a lot with three million dollars I mean the Oilers could sure sure use three million dollars come this deadline
1: so yeah th- this is just like I mean like circus act right like it's like let's play seven on seven as well one game a year for <laughs> doing this you know what I mean like we're just do throwing you, out ideas you, yes.
0: you do know what we're doing here we're just you know as um, Dave Jameson by uh, my partner in crime for some time we're just what do you call it? Gas bagging for two hours. Okay. Yeah. yeah so. That sounds like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, it's, it's, I like the idea because, and Brian Burke had an idea. I can't remember what it was. It's some kind of, you could trade cap, just flat, like trade money. And they sort of have that now, but you can only do a certain amount. I really do think we need to have, because teams are already circumventing and Gary lets Vegas do it. And he would let Chicago do it if they were any damn good. But the Canadian teams really don't get away. Like, one of the reasons Morgan Rowley got five games is it's is a Canadian team. I'm not even kidding you. If that had been New Jersey or Lou in the island, it would have okay, three. I, I, and you could say, well, it's a marquee team. Sure. But, you know, teams in the New York, New Jersey area are also marquee teams. Rick Tockett says he wants to get Baines in tonight. Demko will start for Vancouver. Baines is an interesting player. I don't know if you follow... Do you guys follow the AHL at all? Or are you too busy watching MMA, boxing, um, and putting down Raisin Brand cookies?
1: I follow it a touch, but um, I- I'm sure I wouldn't be able to match your level of expertise when it comes to the AHL and well, the Bakersfield Condors.
0: In March of 2022, the Canucks signed a kid out of Red Deer named Archde- Archdeep Baines, and he's, a, he's six foot 184, has some skill, and he's been in Abbotsford for two, well, most of two years. And he might play tonight. And he's a curious guy. Um, I think this is an interesting bet. I think it is wise to do this. I think the Oilers should do this. Play younger, Play Raphael Lavoie, play Philip Broberg, who, by the way, was in town apparently last week because he's checking on an injury. We'll see how that goes. They really do need him for depth uh, after the deadline and into the postseason. I had something funny happen to me today, and I want to talk about it re- very briefly with you guys, because I had not had this happen before, and I don't usually notice it, but I, I, I'm writing an article, and Warren Fogle's in it, so I typed into to Google uh, Warren Fogle, and the first prompt, it, it wasn't like contract, trade rumor, it was wife. And I'm like, and then I found out later that, that he's recently been engaged, so that's probably it. But are you guys typing in guys' names with wife afterwards? What's going on there?
1: Not usually, not usually, not no. something I do in my free time. Okay,
0: so somebody else is doing it? Because my understanding <laughs> is Google and their, is it algorithms? Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah, algorithms. Okay. They would they would say, okay, well, everybody's asking about this. It's like, low, if you type in low tide, it's when will he retire, which a lot of people don't know. Gas bagging also in there. It's quite the deal. LT, what do you think about Edmonton getting Tuck out of Buffalo as an at-home type deadline move. My only question is, why would Buffalo move him? That to me is is the first question I ask about anybody. Like what the thing about the the thing about Ken Holland is this: if you want to know who he's probably thinking about trading for, what you want to do is you want to. Make a list of all the most famous names in hockey, not on the Edmonton Oilers. So, Patrick Kane. And on it goes. Because he, look at the guys he acquires. Like, Evander Kane was acquired, famous guy. He was available just for money. And Holland jumped at the opportunity. And Ekholm was available. Remember, we were talking about Eric Carlson. And we were talking about Chikrin. And then late, late, late in the game, maybe a week and a half before the deadline, we started to get rumors involving Matthias Eckholm. Damned if Ken Holland didn't go get that guy. So if you want to know who the owners are trading for, I would just do that. I would just look at all the famous, famous people who are out there playing in the National Hockey League and maybe not even publicly mentioned as available. I don't know if Tuck makes that. And he's also 4.75 times three or something. Yeah, yep. that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, do you ever wonder why the town of Vermillion is spelled million and not million with two L's? Uh, no. No, I've never wondered that. There's a lot of things I don't wonder about. <laughs> That would be one of them. I wonder about things like, why does Declan park one floor below us uh, in the parking lot?
1: I like to make my walk through the mall and let everyone know I've arrived. Do a little grand entrance like Mike Tyson walking out to the MGM Grand back in the day. You know? I like to let my let my presence be known. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Coming down the
0: tunnel. like. McHaven Do you wear a the- lot of bling when you come into the building?
1: Four four or five necklaces and six rings, generally, and I take them off right before I get here so you guys don't steal them.
0: And you got your Elton John sunglasses,
1: which are yeah. very nice.
0: Oh, I look so good in sunglasses, yeah, come on. I
1: can see that. It's an event when I walk into town.
0: Low Tide, why did Nashville trade Ekholm? Well, they, they're they rebuilding. Like, they got a great package. I don't know if the, the first-round pick from 2022 is going to work out. I, I hope he does, Reed Schaefer. They got a first-round pick that was a pretty darn good one, and they got a good player last year. And... They're looking to reload, and they wanted to um, move on from one of their veterans. You know, they have Yossi and others. So Crosby with the pens. I don't think Crosby's available, but if he was, I know Ken Holland would go after him. I'm not even kidding you. If Malcolm was available, Ken Holland would go after him. He is wired that way. And you know what? It's held him in good stead, as the kids say, over the years. What would it take to get Gudis out of Anaheim? I don't know, but I'd love to have him. He was, he was wrecking McDavid the other day, just wrecking him. And I'm like, stop doing that to McDavid. And he won't. He's like a brute. You know, there's um, when I watched baseball back in the day, there's, there's all kinds of middle relief pitchers, mostly from Mexico, and they come in and they're like Juan Berenguer or Willie Hernandez, and they come in and they just throw slop. Just like it, You're like, what the hell pitch was that? Nobody can even describe what it is. But it, it you know dives and goes up, and every 11th pitch they throw a fastball, and the hitter goes, what the hell was that? And it's called a strike, usually strike three. Th- that's Radko Gudis. Rad- Radko Gudis plays the game in a way that I'm not even sure he's aware of what is happening in the game because he, the puck is secondary. Radko Gudis is filthy, filthy. Filthy. And I mean that in a good way, but also in a bad way if you're playing against him. Pure filth. And I'd love to have him on the team. I'd love to have him as an Oiler. Sadly, Goodis has been quite vocal about not wanting to play for a Canadian team. Well, that sucks. I like him a lot. I really do. And I don't know that there's anybody at that level. Like, you know who's pretty filthy is DeHarnay. Larson in Seattle. I don't think he's coming back here for reasons. Oilers going to be back on the Chikrin, uh train now that Ottawa might trade. I don't think so. Left side's good. The Oilers are – they might make a trade for a left side defenseman because of Broberg, and maybe they can go get something uh, and then slide Broberg in, but I think that's unlikely. They'd, they'd probably want a little bit of cover anyway, but we'll see. Okay, it's 1235. Rachel Dory on the way. Tons of questions for Rachel about the Oilers, uh, about the deadline about the Maple Leafs, and about Yarmor Yager. It's all coming up. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. And yes, I am a sports encyclopedia, which was really, really valuable before, you know, Google and being able to type into Google. Uh, we're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Uh, check them out at wolfgmcbuick.com. Joined now by Rachel Dory from Staff and Graph Podcast. Uh, was your, Now, do you have a long weekend where you are? Did you get Monday off?
3: I had Monday off in terms of it being a holiday. I did work though. We recorded the podcast, and uh, I do because I have some overseas work. It wasn't a holiday over there, so I, I still had to uh, I had to work. But I was thankful I got to have lunch with my family, and so can't complain.
0: Oh, there, there you go. So there was it was kind of a a, a, a morphed holiday, and you'll take it, right?
3: Exactly. That's I mean, true. if we're being honest, like, you take holidays and you can get them, and yeah. sometimes you can't always get them, so you just have to take a, an hour here or there.
0: That, that's t- absolutely true. Okay, over the years, Oilers coaches often put McDavid and Drysaddle together on the line for road trips. Uh, Chris Knobloch just did it, and I, I'm always, uh, like, I understand that they do, they, their scoring numbers are about equal, but they do outscore in terms of, Uh, how often they score when they're together. But what's the logic in doing this, and does it run counter to what would be considered ideal deployment?
3: Yeah, you know what? Um, That's a very interesting question, because generally speaking, when you have two players of that caliber, we're talking two of the very best in the league, you almost split them on the road because you don't control the matchup. And, And so what that would do is if you're on the road, the home coach gets the matchup and they would usually get to pick. And so if you're putting them on the same line, that kind of makes their life easier in the sense that like, they just throw out their best D pairing against McDavid. Andrew, I said, Oh, they kill two birds with on stone. Whereas if you're separating, you got to pick, you want your Norris trophy, caliber defenseman potentially going against McDavid or do you want them going against Dreisaitl? And so, I don't know. What I have noticed though, is when I go back and look, they seem to do it when maybe they're, yes, they're performing, but not to the highest degree. And maybe they need a little bit of a boost. Um, that really is the only logic I can see. Unless you feel like you load up that line and they're going to score no matter what, because, if you load them up, I mean, that's a, that's the best line in the league, no matter what who you put on the other side, which would usually be Hyman. But I think when you when you look at it, you ideally you'd want to separate them, and putting them together kind of says uh, we're loading up and we want offense basically from one line.
0: Yeah, it's everybody feels they should be split up, and then everybody watches every coach puts them together so there must be something in there uh, based on the insiders I'll say it's Elliot Friedman it looks like the Calgary Flames are looking for a first round pick for Chris Tanev your question is should the Oilers pay that price?
3: I don't think anyone should pay that price Alan <laughs> I think that's crazy um, I look at it and um, with who Chris Tanev is comparable to we're looking at a guy like Ryan Shooter Radko Gudis Um, And those are guys that are excellent defensively and also where offense goes to die. And so, yes, you need good penalty killers, but Hanef hasn't been particularly great in terms of his individual numbers on the penalty kill this year. I think that could change, and Calgary does have the fourth best penalty kill in the league. It's just that he gives up a ton of chances. And so I'm not necessarily sure that he's worth that first-round pick. I think a second-round pick is probably appropriate value. But if you're Edmonton probably Toronto and Vancouver. Uh, if I'm Calgary, I, I would say, hey, you, you need this guy and I'm not taking anything less than a first-round pick. But I, I do think that a first-round pick would be an overpayment for a guy like Chris Tannev. If you're going to expend a first-round pick, I think the guy you need to be going after is Noah Hannison.
0: Well, there you go. Rachel Dory, Staff and Grab Podcast. Um, next question, again about the orders and again about defense. How difficult... We've talked about this, but I want to hear it again because I like I like the way you think. How difficult will it be to offload Cody Cece? And is it possible that Brett Kulak would have more value than CC, or he definitely is less valuable?
3: That's a tough one, right? I think when you look at the situation that the Oilers are in, everybody knows they have to unload salary. And Cody CC makes $500,000 more than Brett Kulak. And Brett Kulak is more versatile, but Cody CeCe is right-handed. And whether we like it or not, there is an attributed tax for right-handed defensemen, specifically those that anyone believes can play in the top four. I actually think Cody Season's been pretty good this year. And at 325, I don't think that his contract is so out of line that you should be paying to get rid of it. I think he's been appropriate value this year. Maybe not. Maybe he's 2.9, but he's certainly not one of those defensemen where they're being paid like. million and playing like a $750,000 defenseman. And so to answer your question, I do think Cody Ceci would have more value than Brett Kulak. And it's because around the hockey world, a right-handed defenseman who's proven he can play in the league has value. And teams are always going to want that. You see it all the time. I mean, we just talked about Chris Tanev and paying a first round pick for him would be an overpayment. And so there's no reason to think that, first round or maybe not a first round pick, but there's no reason to think that a team wouldn't pay for a guy like Cody CC probably more than they should. I think he's fine. And if Edmonton can find another top four defenseman and put Cody CC down on the third pair, I actually think he'd be a fantastic third pairing defenseman for them. So I don't know that they want to move off of him. I think he could probably move off of Brett Kulak because there's going to be teams that need depth defensemen. Tampa comes to mind. Dallas comes to mind. And Brett Kulak's kind of a guy where if you're willing to move off of him and maybe attach something to him uh, to get rid of that salary, a contender will use him as a seventh kind of defensive.
0: Rachel, uh, uh, fans who are not Maple Leafs fans were promised struggle when Morgan Riley got suspended, and it's been upheld by Gary Bettman. And the Maple Leafs just keep on winning. Uh, are they just outscoring everything, or have they found some answers defensively?
3: Oh, man. Um, first of all, I think Bettman made the right call here. I think that should have been a five-game suspension in a vacuum with, like, all cross-checks to the head to be five-game suspensions. I feel like we could make that an automatic suspension and <laughs> probably be fine. Um, but, yeah, you know what? It's interesting, right? They're, I, I guess it's 3-0 now uh, without Morgan Riley. And what I find with Toronto teams, specifically in the new era, so the Matthews, Marner, Tavares sort of era, is whenever a star, particularly on the back end, goes out, whenever they lose someone, it seems to be more of a by committee as opposed to, ah, Morgan Riley will do it, or ah, Jake Muzzin will be physical. Well, when Jake Muzzin goes down, everyone's got to be physical because you lose that out of the lineup. When Morgan Riley goes down, everyone knows they've kind of got to come together because that is a major hole in the lineup. So it almost feels like everyone picks up the slack a little bit. The goaltending has been good. And then, I mean, the reality is Austin Matthews has been nothing short of absolutely extraordinary. He, for whatever reason, seems to be the guy, whether it's a game time goal or a game winning goal, he is the guy that is all getting them back again or lead into game. And then everyone just kind of jumps on board. And then that's, exactly what you want out of a guy who's making the money that he is making. And so I think the answer is more by committee and everyone is kind of being greater than the sum of their parts, I guess. And then you have a guy who's just scoring at will right now, which is, you know, that's always a good thing to have.
0: <laughs> if, if You know, and I'm throwing this at you, but if he gets to 70, that is absolutely a considering error one of the all-time best scoring seasons, right? Because of the era and because 70 is such a monstrous number.
3: If he gets to 70 goals, I don't know how he doesn't win the Hart Trophy because the thing in this game is goal scoring. And if you are averaging 0.9 goals a game, that is preposterous. And... I mean, you look at it, and yes, Kucherov and McKinnon and McDavid, at the end of the day, I genuinely believe the Leafs may not be a playoff team without the play of Austin Matthews this year, and that is a ridiculous thing to conceptualize, given the amount of money that they pay to everybody else. But scoring 70 in an 82-game season, it hasn't happened since I've been born. And we're in a totally different era now. Like, guys are not – like, goalies are allowed to play the butterfly, and they're much bigger. And all of these other things And the score 70 would be – that would be insane.
0: It really would. Uh, I want to ask you about Jarmer Yager. He spent four seasons in his career playing in Europe. He finished 128 goals behind Gretzky. Uh, I saw the celebration. I've always loved it. I, you know, I used to, even when he was playing in Florida, I would attend games just to watch the guy play. If he'd stayed in the NHL, would Jager have been the one to break the Gretzky record?
3: I think we'd be definitely having a conversation about it because you talk about the three seasons he went over voluntarily and played in the KHL. What about the two seasons he lost to the lockout? Technically three, if we're talking about the half season. Yep. So you look, he loses ninety four, ninety five, and he loses oh four, oh five. Those are two seasons effectively in the prime of his career. I didn't have time to model it out, but just based on some base-level linear regression that I was able to run, I would estimate he probably has an extra 115 goals. So we're having the conversation for sure. And then, I mean, if you're 10 goals away, you're pretty much staying in the league until you break the record at that point. I think the conversation would be excellent because you have you would have had Yager in that discussion and now you have Ovechkin. I think it would have led to a really cool discussion about kind of how the game has changed, how it's improved to allow this kind of scoring to happen because if we're being very honest, if Austin Matthews stays healthy, there's no reason he can't break the record either. It's true, And that's kind of crazy to think about that. Yager could have done it had he not lost five seasons. Ovechkin may or may not do it. And then we've got Matthews who's scoring at a higher pace than Ovechkin was at the same age. And then I think that kind of tells you how much better a place the game is in now.
0: Uh, so we were talking about this and it's a touchy issue because there's politics and everything involved, but it's also about personality. So, do you think breaking the record, if Yager had done it, would have been a more compelling story and been covered more? Because I think that what we're approaching is maybe a muted uh, celebration of Ovechkin breaking the record for lots of reasons. But do you think Yager, because he was such a, a, a dynamic player and a dynamic personality, it would have been a bigger deal had he done it?
3: I do think so. Um, I think – and. Honestly, rightfully so, that there is some consternation around Ovechkin for various reasons that probably don't need to be talked about on a sports radio show. But with Yager, there's a different dynamic, right? We're talking about a guy that has a group of men who follow him around, dressed in all of the jerseys that he's worn with mullets. Sidney Crosby, he got Sidney Crosby to show personality by wearing a mullet on retirement <laughs> night. Like, He's legendary. And then the fact that he chirps his own girlfriend in the middle of his retirement ceremony, like his, don't get me wrong. Ovechkin's personality is also fantastic, but I think the legend of Yager is just different. Like it's just a different beast. He is somebody that I would argue should have, because he's going to play hockey until he's, basically can't anymore. I think the hockey hall of fame needs to waive that period. He's very clearly not playing in the NHL anymore. He needs to go in the hall of fame and we need to be done with it because his service to the game and what he's brought, if you think about how polarizing Yager is, I'm 28 years old. Yager was not in the prime of his career when I would have been able to tangibly remember all of the cool things that he did, but I could pretty much tell you that goal he scored for the Pittsburgh Penguins when he undressed every single player on the ice and <laughs> the Yager salute and all of that stuff. How many other players of his era can you say that about? He is a unicorn. Yeah,
0: absolutely. He always was. Thank you, Rachel. Have a great week.
3: You too, Alan.
0: Okay. There you go. Rachel Dory, Staff and Graph podcast. I I wrote about this on the weekend. I tweeted it out. I've been writing the blog for 20 years. And I didn't know McDavid was going to be McDavid. The single greatest, most excited I ever was writing anything was about the rumor that Yager might be signing an admin. Just might be. It wasn't even that he was going to or be retired. There was a, I think David Staples had it in fairness uh, first. And people were like, and I was like, oh my God, I wouldn't, I'd, I don't even care if he played with Toby Peterson and Yanni Rita. I didn't care. Having Yager on the team would have been outstanding.
1: One thing that Rachel mentioned that I really wanted to touch on is if Mc, if sorry Matthews hits that seventy goal mark, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a shoe in but I think hard consideration is like we're not talking about him right now, really, in that hard conversation. It's yeah. kind of restricted to Cooch, Mac, and McDavid, rightfully so. But where do you put him if he does hit that seventy goal threshold? I think I threshold? think she's
0: right. I think he wins it because it's the, 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 the you have to understand. There's a few things that are. He's never played. The last time he played eighty-two games was as a rookie. Yes, he's always got something wrong with him, and I don't mean like wrong with him. I mean he's he's at a he's got an injury. Yeah. So he's at forty-nine and fifty-three. Incredible. If, if he gets to sixty by game sixty-five, then we're going to spend a lot of the last couple of weeks, three weeks of the season, talking about it. And voters are, you know, they're they're. Yep. They reflect what everybody's talking about. He's he's already f- insanely famous, and he, you know he is like he's 26. He said like he's he's what a year younger than yep. Connor McDavid. So, you know he's still pushing for peak as McDavid, but McDavid may have already reached his peak. Matthew's still pushing.
1: Let me ask you this: is one final question before we go to break? Would if he hits 70 and he wins the heart? Would he be a deserved most valuable player winner or would it simply be because of something we've never seen? Because I do think there is a difference.
0: Oh, that's a great question. I I, I think he's a very fine two way guy. My my only issues with him were health, you know. Yeah. But here's why I don't know here's what might hold some voters back. They're not a strong team. And Rachel said it. Yes. You know, it's possible they miss the playoffs, guys. And well, it, then
1: the most valuable, valuable argument becomes, what are the Leafs without them? Like when you want to yeah. talk about most valuable to a team, you know, yeah, so it's
0: absolutely true. All right. 12.56 on the way. We are going to talk a little bit more about what you would like to see the orders do at the deadline. We're going to be talking to Daniel Nugent Bowman. And don't forget Mamma Mia at 140. Low down with low tide on Sports 1440.